Imagine this. It is 10,000 BCE, and between polishing and grinding stone, domesticating wild animals, and putting down one's roots in a single spot for the first time in human civilization, the humans of yesteryear started cultivating harvest. Sowing seeds into the ground was all part of building a home, literally and symbolically. And this is where humans were headed, toward a more organized, self-sustaining methodology. And the way to get there? Plants, or more specifically, the agricultural revolution. Farming is absolutely revolutionary. When we discovered how to farm, we suddenly increased the ability of the land to support us. It's the difference between there being only a few million humans on the planet and there being billions of humans on the planet. Most humans alive today subsist on the products of, of the agricultural revolution, the, the, the byproducts of farming. Despite their Neolithic origins, plants quickly became more than just food. Slowly but surely, they started to mirror the socio-political world around them. Each leafy standalone, each fern and frond, and each collection of stupendous botanical foliage represented opulence, beauty, and, well, growth. From the hanging gardens of Babylon to the wealthiest states of the Mediterranean, houseplants graduated from once upon a time sprawling fields to a more modern arrangement of terracotta pots and marble containers. Plants weren't just to be reared and eaten, they were to be exhibited, like nature's own potted adornments. This is All Things Green, a conversation series brought to you by the Plant Society that shines a light on the people, places and politics behind the plants. I'm Madison Griffiths and every fortnight we will explore our cultural relationship to the plants we know, love and care for. I recently took an inventory of my plants and it's closer to 1,100 plants and it's a little over 560 species. I have a Hoya here, Monstra deliciosa, Ripsalis, Syndapsis, Trubiae, Multiflora, another type of Hoya, Anthurium plamandiophora, Tenanthi, Bromarchia, Demiococcus, Diapolia, Philodendron, Pocos Neon. Houseplants are on the rise and have been for some time now. In the 21st century, we have long expunged the ethos that plants are just for eating. They are and can be a number of things now, with myriad meanings. Plants are decor, air cleaners, nature's own relief from the daily grind, symbols of love, connection, loss and progress able to be wrapped and gifted, a graduation present, a kind gesture, a romantic emblem. In inner city dwellings, they can be found on windowsills, bedside tables and kitchen islands. Plants are, in essence, accessories that don't discriminate. People from all walks of life fill the corners of their homes with greenery and substance. And believe it or not, they may just be regularly saving their pennies for a devil's ivy or ten. But cultural economic trends, like the bloom boom, don't just happen. They are set in motion by the planet, the people, and the philosophy that surrounds them. 
Millennials are buying one-third of all houseplants. Owning plants makes millennials feel like grown-ups. And while we otherwise delay traditional adult milestones like owning houses and getting married and having children, plants are sort of like our leafy green kids. Before writing this episode, I'd never thought to interrogate my own relationship to the plants I crowd my home with, where they come from and why, going only so far as to avoid peace lilies so that my mischievous cat doesn't accidentally make herself sick by sinking her teeth into toxic foliage. But there was a time when I didn't factor plants into my style, my Instagram feed, my routine. So how did we get here? And what exactly is the bloom boom? Millennials have made a wide range of things trendy. Avocado toast, kale, financial instability, and more recently, plants. Yeah, millennials are obsessed with plants. There's the Monstera deliciosa, the snake plant, various kinds of succulents, and the current plant that's got us in a frenzy, the fiddle leaf fig tree, which doesn't actually produce any edible figs. Full disclosure, I'm a millennial and I own all of the plants I just mentioned. Internationally, rent prices are on the rise. While adults once married themselves to the classic white picket fence in a humble suburban sprawl idea, golden retriever, friendly neighbors, poking their heads over paling and laughing children in stow, Urbanisation turned this quintessential Western dream into somewhat of a pipe dream, a kind of old-school fantasy left over from our parents. So instead of pining for a front yard, we tiptoed around this slight hiccup and decided instead to turn our once-upon-a-time outdoor designs into indoor realities. We leaned in to the bloom boom. Owning houseplants is taking on new meaning for millennials. A lot of millennials never taken care of a living thing before. They're looking for something that won't die. According to Business Insider, millennials are buying more plants than ever. Many are waiting longer to buy homes and are living in smaller urban spaces for longer, which drives an interest in raising plants. But with all of the privileges a more modern way of life affords us, it also comes with distinctly modern ills like loneliness, isolation, depression and unease. In plants, people have started looking for remedies from such predicaments. And it makes sense. Indoor greenery is responsive and rewarding. Amidst the daily grind, something as innocuous as a new frond or an unfurling leaf is a gentle reminder to slow down, to take it in, to appreciate life in all of its varied forms. By caring for something outside of ourselves, something admittedly with lower stakes than a pet or a child, mindful connection to our surroundings is inevitably established. This isn't just some sort of hokey pokey inference, by the way. In some parts of the world, ecotherapy holds legitimacy. At the Cornbrook Medical Practice in Holm, Manchester, many of the patients who live with anxiety and depression are prescribed gardening. That's Chrissy Charles. She's a researcher for ABC Television's Gardening Australia and also happens to be a close friend of the Plant Society. I mean, it makes sense, given her excitement about it being World Soil Day. Well, it's World Soil Day. Happy World Soil Day. It's so nice to speak to you on this blessed day. It is. <laughs> and coming into the International Year of Plant Health in 2020. I wanted to ask Chrissy what she believed was responsible for the bloom boom. Mm. Good question. I think, like, I mean, most of what, why I think is probably in 
aside from because of my work. But I suppose um, I, I think the biggest thing is, is high density housing and housing affordability. Um, it's really big with uh, like millennials and whatever the generation. What's the generation above millennials? I think it's Gen Z. <laughs> Yeah, really big with millennials and Gen Zs. I think Gen Zs, these. Gen Zs. Okay. Gen Zs. Anyway, um, yeah, I guess it just it mostly comes down to housing and space. If we, a lot of the job opportunities are in the cities and in urban areas, and in urban areas, it, let alone buying a house, even renting a big space that gets lots of beautiful, has a big garden and gets lots of nice light, is we're, we're pretty priced out of those opportunities. So I think people are finding finding ways to to garden in different spaces and and i think for me gardening is definitely has a bit of a, a resurgence because um i mean for multiple things i think we the environment is more on our minds than it has in previous generations mm. we're thinking about ways that we can like i mean climate change anxiety is like a real diagnosis now it's mm. a real it's a real issue and although gardening climate change aren't it's super correlated i think ways of uh, we're thinking about the environment we're thinking about plants we're thinking about how can we look after our planet and i think for a lot of people having a garden having an indoor garden or an outdoor garden and caring for for plants um is is helping to bring that to the forefront and making them feel like they're they're a little bit more a part of the world and a part of the natural world especially if you're living in high density urban housing Mm, definitely so that's kind of where I feel like the main um, resurgence has come from of people wanting to garden, wanting that experience, but not necessarily having the space mm-hmm. um, and wanting to kind of, we have, I feel like we have less opportunities to go out even and, and going on hikes or being out in nature, which is, you know, the benefits of a, a in like research tenfold, you know, we all know that being connected to a natural environment um, and spending time in a natural environment is really important for our mental health. But I mean, juggling all the things that, and the expectations that we kind of currently do, those opportunities don't come around that often. And especially if you're living in in a densely urban area, it might not be down the road. It might be you know a day trip out or a weekend trip out. Totally. Um, but still, like craving that connection. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about the local plant community? Like, do you feel like there is a real sense of uh, connection in in Melbourne I think like a lot of communities it's 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 pretty strongly online I mean you've got these indoor plant fanatic pages that are huge and and people post their photos and their advice and and same as Instagram it's mm. a very strong on online community as far as physical spaces indoor plants again because it's we're in thinking about really dense urban environments i haven't seen it as much in indoor spent places because it's often more an individual experience you have your own bedroom plants or you might have them around your your house but um there's less spaces where you can come together and do indoor gardening together Mm. i mean maybe that's what we need maybe we need an indoor community garden um that could be really cute it would be a cute idea i mean edibles is tricky i think a lot of community gardens i mean most community gardens are set up around the idea of the harvest and, and sharing food together and sharing growing food together. Um, so I don't know what that would look like in an indoor environment because it's there's not that many indoor plants that would fruit. I mean, you could definitely get do leafy greens and things. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's a different kind of community. It's mm. an online community. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. And, and yeah, I'd love the idea of, of more of an indoor space or, or urban space gardens. Um 
sharing that community. But yeah, I feel like that one's that one's a bit to come, extending outside of the online and going, you know, add a few URL and into IRL. When Christy mentioned climate change anxiety, she was referring to a specific phenomenon unique to us, millennials and members of Gen Z or Gen Y, called eco anxiety. Being conscious of the state of the world's health, so to speak, has been proven to profoundly affect our own mental well-being. In many ways, being able to appreciate greenery at the foot of our bed is a way to feel closer to an environment that is slowly becoming more and more desolate. Feelings of fear. My generation is facing a future of economic instability. Uncertainty. Food scarcity. Extreme weather events. And helplessness. And we, the children, are desperate. So today I just wanted to talk a little bit about the eco-anxiety and if you're feeling it, because I certainly am. And I basically just wanted to make this video to let you know that you're not alone. I certainly feel worry when it comes to the climate crisis or to the waste pandemic or pollution in our oceans. It's impossible to speak about the natural wonders of the world, from something as innocuous as a single philodendron to a rainforest full of them, without acknowledging first the climate state of affairs. But if anything, our budding relationship to greenery is no doubt inviting individuals into eco-compassion, into a style of care and worry about the climate that surrounds us. When every new pup and unfurled leaf unfurls, we are able to intimately see the rewards of caring for something beyond ourselves, something with roots that require healthy soil and warmth, but not too much. We are able to foster our own little ecosystems in poorly insulated rentals and inner city dwellings. And I think that's pretty neat. So, that's it. This is the first episode of All Things Green, a conversation series brought to you by the Plant Society that shines a light on the people, places and politics behind the plants. I'm Madison Griffiths and you'll get to know me pretty well pretty soon because every fortnight we will be exploring our cultural relationship to the plants we know, love and care for. I'd like to thank the rest of my wonderful team in-house, interstate and in print. We're a pretty easygoing bunch, so make sure to drop in and say hello. And if you have any suggestions or topics or queries that you'd like us to tackle in All Things Green, drop us a line on our socials. Oh, and uh, thanks also to Chrissy Charles from Gardening Australia for her valuable insight. And it's worth mentioning again, happy International Soil Day from one plant lover to the next. Until next time. <laughs>